0: LET'S GET READY TO RUMBLE!
1: Right, hello and welcome to Netflix vs Cinema being recorded on the day in which the government of this country has truly, truly become a carry-on movie <laughs> My name is Tosin and I am the host in up in the Midlands in near Birmingham joining me as always on the Isle of Wight uh, Sharon Bolland.
0: hello
1: and if his internet allows Sean Harris hello <laughs> oh wow that was that was an almighty pause so the, the internet <laughs> the internet may or may not be our friend here with Sean today so, um what we do on this show, Netflix vs. Cinema, a bit like the name suggests, we go to the cinema each week and we watch a couple of things. Then we stay at home and we watch a couple of things. And we rate them all out of five. And in today, when things are changing and whether cinema is fighting for its life, I'm wondering whether it's actually a viable financial thing, we see where our money has been better spent this week. Has it been spent on Netflix or has it been spent on cinema? Is Netflix winning, or does cinema still have some fight left in the old dog yet? So this week, if we just want to kick off with saying Sharon, let's start off with you. Tell us what you saw at the cinema.
2: I have seen a drama called Emily at the cinema.
1: Emily, yeah, that that I thought would be right up your alley. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that would be right <laughs> up your alley. And you also you also saw something else, but it was a bit of a of like one of the things cinema has been doing, like an anniversary showings, isn't it?
2: Yes, Sean and I we went to see the thirty fifth thirty fifth anniversary. I was just saying those figures to make, make your head go a bit like, what? I but know. the 35th anniversary of Lost Boys at the cinema.
1: It's, it's weird, isn't it? Because, you know, you think of something like the Lost Boys and it's all about youth and it's all about, like, you know, angsty youth counterculture of the day. And you think, no, but it can be 35 years old. The angsty young counterculture of people. <laughs> <laughs> and and they, that all you know, those
2: young people are like in their 60s. And
1: <laughs> yeah, you think that all those young now. people are probably grandparents now. <laughs> <laughs> probably grab her at that alright so Sean if you can hear us what did you see at the cinema this week okay it looks like Sean might not be able to hear us or Sean might hear us in about 5 minutes time I'm not sure which way it is. So, okay. But um, so with that, I think I, I have d- seen nothing at the cinema, seen nothing at the cinema because I am really, really, really beginning to wonder whether my cinema going days are over. I'm beginning to wonder whether, <laughs> whether life has just said, no, you have a child that's a certain age now and that's it. No more cinema for you. Because everything that this is... The last week has been busy and it seems like every time... A, let me put it this way. I had a chance to go to the cinema on Tuesday night. I was going to see Ticket to Paradise. And in the end, I just went, you know what? I think my 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 life would be enhanced if I just stayed at home and slept. <laughs> which is what I did. Which is what I did on Tuesday night. So I haven't seen anything in the cinemas. But at home, I have finished seeing She-Hulk. She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Which is... It, 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 it. Marvel's doing things. Let's just say Marvel is doing things. Sean, can you hear us now? I can hear you but I can't you're not moving but I can hear you can you hear me Yeah we can hear you we can hear you Okay I've, I've
0: moved downstairs so I've moved downstairs so we can I, hear I'm you. hoping it'll be a better signal
1: Yeah we can hear you and you but are moving I can't moving. see
0: you you're not moving
1: Yeah we, yeah well for us you are moving Sean. Okay cool <laughs> cool that's it uh, so what did you see oh, at the cinema good, this yeah?
0: week Okay the cinema this week obviously I went to see The Lost Boys with with Sharon yep. um which it was really busy I reckon that they're going to be making more more money from these these anniversary films than they are from you know the stuff that's that's being released um mm. also i went to see halloween ends yeah and amsterdam <laughs> and amsterdam yeah, yeah. Amsterdam.
1: Okay, okay cool all right so the three films and cinema we're going to talk about this week are going to be emily amsterdam and halloween ends i'll leave halloween ends to the end because no fan <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, okay, so that means we'll let us start. With, and at home, what did you see at home, Sean?
0: At home, I saw. um I think we're saving it till next week, The Rings of Power. But there was also a movie on Netflix called The War Below.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: so, uh, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: And I've said she Shih- Hulk Attorney at Law. And there's something else I've seen that I will remember before the end of the show, and we will review that last <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I, yeah, will yeah, remember, yeah. I will remember. I remember what it is that I've seen. But let us kick off. Let oh, us kick off. Yeah. Yeah, let's kick off with Amsterdam. Amsterdam, the big old star-studded David O. Russell, who can produce magic, but can also produce pretentious mess. <laughs> and, and, for, and this film, I think, has divided opinion as to which one of those two things it is. So, Sean, tell us a little bit about Amsterdam. What do you think it is? Uh, what is it about, and what did you think about it? It's about, okay.
0: Well, it starts off, it starts off in World War I, And the trenches and there's american black troops and i i thought oh and they were wearing french uniforms and like the um one of the officers who's like the the general that really really likes them more or less says oh they, they wouldn't fight with americans won't fight with them so if we dress them up in french uniforms then you know they'd be like they could be french algerians or whatever so they could still fight but they wouldn't be sort of classed as americans and then Christian, but they need an officer to take this regiment. So Christian Bell turns up and they quite like each other. They, you know, he's, he's a pretty good officer for them. And then they're going to do this mission, but they all end up something not very nice happening and they all end up in hospital and they meet a nurse who, and they form like this, this trio of like buddies, you know. Um, so Christian Bale, so
1: like, John David Washington and Margot Robbie.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they the, they form this like trio uh, in Amsterdam because they've been they they you know they've got the war's finished they, they in Amsterdam and then Christian Bale character decides that he's going to go back to America, um, leaving the other two in Amsterdam. Uh, and then eventually uh, the the other chap moves out, but the girl doesn't. And anyway, then it goes into like uh, he's he's Christian Bale character is a doctor that helps world war vets from, um, you know, like if they've got injuries or something, he gives them masks, face masks and helps them out and all that. Yep. And the other chap, the other chap becomes a lawyer and goes for compensation. And then they, so it's, it comes like a private basket film. Cause it goes, Oh, I want to hire you to, to this lady, she gets killed. And then mm-hmm. you go into, you go into, to we say the top society of, uh, I don't really want to give away any spoilers now, because this okay, is Okay. Um...
1: All, right. all, right, all right. All right. So okay, no spoilers. But from what I can understand, this becomes kind of like a who kind of screwball detective story. Would that be would that be accurate? Well, right. <laughs> the Mark. Yeah. Hello, are you there? Yeah, yeah, we're
0: here. Yeah, sure. Oh, I broke up. I broke up. Okay, the Margot Robbie character. So they meet up. So they all meet up together and then They they meet up and go through a site and they they want to see this general. So, yeah, I can't really say much more than that because I think it'll be a spoiler because it's it's quite important the way it goes. So they're mixing with high society and they're mixing with, like, lots of right-wing, lots of white right-wing people. And so it becomes a bit of a a mystery. Um, It's rather long, though. It's rather long, (laughs) to be honest. Um, And... uh, so it started off really good. It intrigued me. I really like the French uniforms. You know me with my authenticity yeah, yeah, yeah. and you, stuff. You, I really like
1: lo- with your accuracy of anything yeah. war-related.
0: And and I could imagine, you know, you know, because when I first saw them, I thought, what? Oh, French troops. But so they've actually got the French uniforms, and it made sense. You know what I mean? The, the Americans won't fight with them, so they have to. You know, why are we wearing these damn French uniforms? Well, mm. Americans won't fight with you. Um, mm. Anyway, what would we'll say about this film is, I liked it in parts. It had a lot of characters in a lot of lot of, you know, there was a lot of lot of characters that turned up. Yep. I did find some parts rather laborious and a bit long and a bit dull and like was you know, it was really, really sort of padded out with stuff which could have yep. been told. You know, there's a lot more, of interaction. More, more economically. Yeah, more economically. Yeah, there's a lot of interaction between the three of them. But the acting was very good. The acting was good. I mean, I always rate Christian Bale really highly. Um but on the whole i found it a little bit too long yeah if you know what i mean it's one of those films that just sort of dragged on a bit and sometimes i don't know i don't know is the director a bit self-indulgent is he with some of his movies or? yeah yeah well that's 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 what <laughs> yeah. i was thinking that's my thoughts come to the fore was that you know this dude's a bit self-indulgent and he's you know he's, you know, yeah. he's obviously playing around a little bit and,
1: I, I feel and, like david o russell is the kind of director that I feel a bit like him. You know the way I feel about Tarantino. I know that you, oh, yeah. your, I know in your mind, Sean, Tarantino can do no wrong. No, no. But for me, Tarantino does get indulgent sometimes and he's oh, best. Yeah. He's best <laughs> when he has somebody to hold him back. To You know, when you're watching the film, you can almost sort of see somebody going, "Uh, I don't think people are going to get that, Quentin. You think you want to? And if he, has a, if he has a big hit on his hands, and then they let him do whatever he wants in the next film. You know, it's going to be like over three hours long. And you know that there's only going to be a small niche of people who are going to understand what he's doing. And I feel like David O. Russell's a bit like that. He directed The Fighter, where Christian Bale won an Oscar for. He directed American Hustle. He directed Silver Linings ah, Playbook. Right. And so Robert De Niro, for instance, has become a guy who always shows up in his films. And so he and in these films, you can see the ones where people didn't didn't expect that much from him because they are tighter but mm. then when he has a hit and things go well, it goes a bit out there. And you get like, there's a film called I Heart Huckabees that he did that is very, very, some would say out there, some would say daring, some would say self-indulgent. And so, so yeah, with David O. Russell, I expect that he's going to do something very, very esoteric. He's going to do something very his own thing. And <laughs> some people would think, it's a genius. And some people would be like, that was a load mm. of nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this had a bit of both. This had a bit of both. It had some
0: good moments, and it had a lot of laborious moments. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was okay. It was well acted. It was quite, um, quite interesting. But it was no, you know, no sort of gem, no hidden gem, or anything like that. So, so how many stars
1: would you? How many this, stars would this you? Would
0: this would be a three star, just a straight right. three star. An okay movie, yeah. Three
1: stars. So three stars for what was it again? Amsterdam. Amsterdam. <laughs> he with Amsterdam. all right cool and now we go over to we go over to um streaming stuff netflix and friends and sharon you didn't see anything at home this week did you
2: um not on streaming i did a the only thing i saw was a, a long documentary by lucy worsley on the suffragettes Ooh. um so i don't know if it that's the only thing i had seen on at home and that was on a catch-up service i saw that i'm a BBC iPlayer.
1: No, oh, no, I think that counts. Yeah, that works. Yeah, that yeah, works. that works. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you've seen the whole thing then. Yes. All right, cool. Talk to us about Lucy Worsley.
2: Well, right, Lucy Worsley is a historian, and she does um, British historian. And uh, she does, um, she does a lot on the royals. She does a lot on sort of women in through history. She has women's place in sort of history at the time. So she is sort of like an expert, and she's a, a, a scholar and a writer, and. Um, she's hubris as well so she did this it's an hour and a half long documentary about um the suffragettes and she
1: and and she she does love dressing up doesn't she she is does that, dressing
2: up so is that the this, blonde, she did dress up
1: is
0: that the blonde lady with the um you know she's she, got like a, a, she has, she has, a she has a bit of a lisp little, little tiny bit of a lisp because yes, she's brilliant a i one. love her stuff i love her stuff yeah, yeah
2: so this was i hadn't seen it before it's it a couple of years old now i mean, it's i think it was originally made to tie in with the anniversary of the the women's suffrage movement when women actually, the anniversary of when women did get the vote. But it's for, for all that, it was, you know, it's a fat gripping gripping story. It basically starts off how um, the fight for women's voting, it started off with the suffragist movement, which started in the sort of Victoria's day in like the mid, in like the 1850s. And for the first 50 years of their existence, they basically asked politely saying, you know, women should have the vote. <laughs> because there was a fight going on about, um, it started off about addressing women's lack of rights in that people could be, they had no right over their property, they had no right once they were married, their husband basically owned them, owned their property and owned their children. And they had Mm. no basic rights of their own. And it started off over, it started off joined hand in hand with like the temperance movement where people campaigned for people to sort of abstain from alcohol, because basically what was happening, men would be leaving the factories and then on the way home, they'd be passing half a dozen pubs. And so by the time they got home, they'd have like pence left and they would hand over to their wives because their wives had no money. It means if it were earning an income, had no money of their own would be given like three pence to feed them and like 10 children. And women were absolutely in desperate situations. They had no recourse in law. They had no one, Who would support them so the women's suffrage movement started really early on in the 1850s 1860s so by the time it got to sort of 1905 women were basically fed up of asking politely for 40 years to be completely (coughs) ignored so the um the radical sort of women's suffragette movement started with people like Emmeline pankhurst who decided that if polite means are not working we are going to take more direct means And this documentary charts basically the escalation and from starting off basically writing petitions, rallies and speeches to actually turning radical. And one of the first acts of what they were doing was um, deliberately getting themselves arrested and deliberately getting themselves sent to prison. And a guaranteed way of getting sent to prison in sort of 1905, 1908 was actually assaulting a police officer. So whenever they were challenged at rallies, they would, like, spit at police officers, and this would basically get them arrested. And so the sight of respectable middle-class women being hauled in front of the courts and would generated a lot of publicity. And so So, then there was this campaign, basically, to get arrested and get sent to jail, even though the treatment...
1: so with, it's, it's weird that I'm thinking this, but I'm kind of like, even though it's a documentary, I'm like, and it's history. I'm like, Sharon, no spoilers. Mm. But, <laughs> but but obviously with Lucy Worsley's particular time, I'm guessing that with this, you would have seen a lot of her dressing up. There would have been a lot of her yeah, dressing up. dramatized. There'd, yeah, yeah. there would have a lot of dress uh, uh, and all that. How is her telling of this story? Because I know that there's been a lot of different ways. There was even the film Suffragette, where they had... Oh, yes. was it Carrie Mulligan, in it? And Carey I Mulligan it had, in it? Yes. Yeah, and he and and, had it had um Meryl Streep in a small role, but and she uh, plays the main Pankhurst, the Pankhurst yeah, she, yeah. So and Helena and,
2: Bonham Carter.
1: Yeah. So, but with that, who um uh, how was Lucy Worsley's telling of this whole thing?
2: Yeah. So they get basically actresses to take a part of a well-known suffragette, and then they dramatize it. So they read their own letters, their diaries and their accounts. So the story is told by Lucy Worsley talking direct camera, but also these actresses saying, this was my experience of being force fed in jail. Because one of them, they then escalated from being arrested. They went on hunger strike. And then then as soon as they got too weak, they, would, they the government didn't want people to die in jail. Yeah, these I women also- died. So they were released. But then when that didn't really stop the suffragettes from... They didn't shut them up, basically. They were still being arrested and still going on hunger strike. They started force-feeding these women by forcing a rubber tube up their nose and then down into their gullet and then pouring liquid egg and milk down into their throats. Mm. And they were... One of these women was sort of dramatically saying, this was my experience of how I was force-fed while I was in prison. And then it it escalated to women chaining themselves to rails. On one day... They had a mass campaign where they were going to smash as many windows as possible in London and something like 287 properties were damaged in one afternoon where they synchronized themselves. They concealed themselves all around London. And as, as soon as the big Ben struck, they all started smashing windows Ooh. and they caused the equivalent <laughs> of something like 250,000 pounds worth of damage in one afternoon. <laughs> so this was a serious campaign, but they still were completely ignored. And it was only basically at the start of the First World War when they called a truce saying that we will no longer participate in our direct action, we will support the war effort, that they were actually beginning to start to be taken seriously. So it was was a long, long campaign and women were actually given the vote. Some women over age 35 who owned property were given the vote in um, 1918. And then all women over 21 were eventually given the vote in 1928. So it's basically that long struggle to say um, what, how, why women got to. so they're so desperate to have a say um, and to have a vote. And we see today the situation where we've had women prime ministers. And sometimes that works out okay. And sometimes that could be
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh more God. of a challenge.
2: But it is timely. I thought, I was watching, it, I thought, this is quite timely, actually. That it's taken from the first prime minister, obviously, Margaret Thatcher, was... Something like fifty years was it from when women got the vote to when we had the first we had the first MP within a couple of years, Nancy Astor. But the first prime minister was obviously the nineteen seventies Margaret Thatcher. We've had three, or two other women prime ministers since then. <laughs> um, so yeah, that yeah. struggle that so that we even though we look at politics and we go, ugh for women and for me, I always think women fought long and hard. <laughs> this wasn't just like a couple of women throwing stones to then they got the vote. Yeah. It was like 60 years women were fighting and petitioning and lobbying parliament to have the right to say, I own property, I have a right to my children, I have a right to my own body, and I have a right to, to have an interest in the political life of my country.
1: Yeah. So vote yeah. women. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so yeah, uh, we're going to file that one under People Suck. Um, <laughs> but, so, uh, how many stars would you give it? I can tell you were quite taken with this. How many stars oh, would you I give? Oh, it was
2: fascinating. Yeah, I certainly give it four stars,
1: easily. Yeah, four um, stars. Do you know what it was actually called? I've just, I've just written on Lucy Worsley Suffragette.
2: Look, his, yes, that's it.
1: Is that is that what it's called, Lucy Worsley's Suffragette?
2: I think it's suffragette by Lucy Worsley.
1: All right. Okay. Gotcha. All right, so, and, um, ooh, I could have done this differently. But anyway, it's back to you I again, give it
2: a five, I could almost give it a five-star, because I thought it was almost flawless in its execution. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm going to up it. I'm going to give it a five-star. <laughs> for a documentary, I thought it was, yeah, it was that's, flawless. I couldn't. That... There's nothing about it that I would like to say, can you tell me more about that? It touched on everything you needed to know. Um, that's, that's... So I'll give it a five-star.
0: That's, that's high praise indeed, isn't it? Sharon yeah. very rarely gives a five star. Good for yeah. you, mate. Good
1: for yeah. you. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. Uh, and now we go back to cinema and Sharon, it's you again to talk to us about Emily, which I think Emily. might have, oh, what? Yeah Emily. yeah, Emily. Emily, yeah, which I think might have, well actually I don't know, maybe I'm just saying it's about women, therefore it should have some similarities. But you may have, tell me, does this have any similarities with suffragettes? <laughs>
2: in some ways it does yeah because this is the precursor to that movement so this is not that in the 1840s yeah so this is about emily bronte and mm-hmm. um, emily bronte um some of you may some of you may not know but emily bronte was part of a family who grew up at howarth parsonage on in north yorkshire in not north Yorkshire, in yorkshire i think it's west yorkshire in yorkshire and um, they were the the children of a parson uh, in a country uh parish church and it's on the edge of the moors and the extraordinary thing about this one family is they produced. they had six children but four of them basically went on to do extraordinary things one was less so but their three daughters in particular the three daughters that lived they had two that died the three that lived in particular went on to produce from this one small parsonage um, charlotte bronte who wrote jane eyre and shirley and Villette, and the professor you got Anne Bronte, who wrote what has been described as the first feminist novel, um, The Tenant of Wildfowl Hall*, as well as Agnes Grey. And then you've got Emily Bronte, who wrote Wuthering Heights, which by anyone's standard is an extraordinary novel. So this one small place inspired this great works of fiction. And, and people have been fascinated by the Bronte, and they had their brother Bramwell, who had the potential to be as great as his sisters. He was an artist, he was a poet, he was, uh, uh, I don't know what else he was, but he had potential. <laughs> but he's, His potential basically got lost in opium and drink. Uh, <laughs> so you see their potential is fulfilled even though they're in this stifled existence. And his he has the potential of going out into the world and yet every opportunity he had, he frittered away by mm. self-indulgence. And uh, so it's an interesting contrast between he could have done whatever he wanted to, but he didn't. Yet these girls who were in this really confined existence uh, managed to achieve these amazing literary feats. So,
1: so so that's good. But from what I understand about this film, this film takes a bit of a different tact. Absolutely.
2: Yes. So people have been fascinated for years by the Brontes. So people have been trying to work out what made them tick. How did this small parsonage, because I've been there and it is small. How yeah. did this one small party produce all this? And this is a film where we don't really know because they didn't write diaries as such, but all we know about them is a few letters, which are later some of their family members burnt some of their letters. Um, so, so some of their letters and their works of fiction. So it leaves a lot for the imagination to sort of fill in the gaps. Yeah. And this is a film where filmmaker Frances O'Connor, who is an actress that we know from things like Mr. Southridge, and, um, a Jane Austen adaption of Mansfield Park, she has basically written, I don't know if she wrote it, but she certainly directed this film where they have filled in the gaps. They have created a story around Emily Bronte and uh, about how she could have created um, Wuthering Heights. Now, Wuthering Heights is this mad, bad, dangerous to know Heathcliff oh, and yeah. Catherine Earnshaw, and they have this sort of like tangled love hate relationship where they, they go from loving each other passionately and death deathlessly um to not being able to bear each other and they sort of hurt each other and hurt everyone around them but they have this sort of deep you know love yeah and so they so they're trying to understand how could this young woman in this tiny place write such this an extraordinary novel so violent so passionate so extraordinary so weird and how could she write that so this is a story where they have created a story around it so they've given the focus is on Emily, so all her sisters and her siblings sort of fade into the background a little bit. Apart from Bramwell, you see him and their their relationship uh, and how they imagine how how Bramwell's indulgences, his love of drink and opium, how maybe that could have influenced Emily possibly. could Would she have experimented with drinking drugs as well? Yeah. And how in this household of mainly these young girls, every now and then you'd get these curates would join the parsonage to work in the church along with their father and how a young man away from home would he be attracted maybe to the young daughters of the yeah. house and so they explore um because this this novel is so passionate they're saying you no know, who could would emily have had a passionate relationship to which she would inspire to write someone like heathcliff Could she imagine that character, or would it be based on someone she might have encountered? So you see the story of Wuthering Heights, and they play out scenes that we know from Wuthering Heights, where sometimes the character who plays Emily is Catherine, and sometimes she's Heathcliff. So you can see how they have thought, how would you get this character from this woman? So they've created all these scenarios where you can see this is the birth of Wuthering Heights.
1: Oh, Okay, now, Sharon, out of all of us, I would say you are the most... Uh, you're you're the what what do you you're the you're the the book fan.
0: You're the book, yeah. You're the you're the
1: book fan. I was going to say you're the most literature. I couldn't think of a word, but you're, you're the book fan. So I'm sure that you've read Wuthering Heights. You, if yes. there's going to be a book adaptation, you're the one who's yes. going to be able to say, oh, yes. not like the book. They changed yes. that, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Are they called bibliophiles? A but bibliophile, lovers. yeah, someone who loves Biblio books. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, ooh, good yeah. word, Sean. Good word. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> so, 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 Sharon, you are a bibliophile, bibliophile. Yeah. And so, with that, uh, and I've heard some criticism about this film that has, because obviously that they that essentially said something along the lines of. Oh, that they're going, well, she possibly couldn't have had an imagination. She must have just have written that. What happened to her? And that has annoyed some people because they're trying to sort of say that, like, you know, putting Emily Bronte in the Catherine thing and putting this guy who comes in in the Heathcliff role and trying to sort of say that she lived it before he actually came. How how did it work for you? Did did that work for you, saying her life maybe inspired the book?
2: I... I understand what they're doing because you could, there's some scenes that were, were straight from Wuthering Heights. They've just recreated the scene. Some of them with her brother, and some of them with this man who, oh, it's not a spoiler because in the film um, he is her lover in the film. And um, I can see that how they why they did it as a device. But for me, it's like I didn't it didn't matter to me that it wasn't based on her life because this was clearly work of fiction. They have a bit in the beginning where there's like a séance. And I think I knowing with the writings of the Bronte's they were were not gonna be they were interested in the spiritual, but I can imagine how the children of a parsonage would probably be horrified by that sort of goings on. But I found it interesting and I found it, yeah, it didn't bother me because the moment's from the beginning, you know that this is a work of fiction. This is not about the life of the Bronte sisters or the life of Emily Bronte, because you know, the order in which things have happened are different because we know that Charlotte was published first. And so, but in this book, it was like Wuthering Heights was published first and became a great success. Um, Whereas no, it wasn't, it was Charlotte was the the literary success first. Mm. And so we know that the facts are different. And so, yeah. And so I didn't, that didn't bother me, but I found in some ways, yes, it, I could see why they've done it, why they say that the only way someone who could possibly imagine someone like Heathcliff was because they had had a passionate relationship with their own. Yeah. Whereas, I think Jane Austen was single. She managed to write these amazing love stories. I think imagination doesn't, isn't, um, there's sort a of lack of experience isn't a hamper to writing fiction. In some way. Oh, well, well, Being,
1: well, if you watch a film called Becoming Jane, it might argue with you.
2: <laughs> I know, exactly, they always like to do these things in in, in, in fiction. But on the whole, most people with a vivid imagination is because the, the more confined their lives are, often the more it's imaginative more they become. So, I then mean, living on the moors, you can... I've walked across those moors because I have done the Bronte Pass the, um, pilgrimage. And you can imagine if, you, if this was your playground, you had the howling wind, you had the changing wind, you had the landscape, you would imagine something as passionate to meet that sort of landscape. And... And you oh. listen and you read. They read widely, the Bronte sisters. They read everything they could get their hands on, and so their imagination was being fed constantly. So, I don't think it's inconceivable that someone who hadn't had personal experience could yet still imagine these extraordinary things.
1: Right, cool. So, how many stars would you give it?
2: Yeah, I liked it. It's was quite a long film, and it can be gloomy in places because you know the life of the Bronte sisters wasn't a bundle of laughs. So, I but bearing that in mind, I still really liked it. <laughs> So <laughs> I would give it a, a four because I Ooh. thought it was, yeah, and I, I liked the characters who played the sisters. I think they always do, I always feel sorry for Charlotte because she's one of my, and I like Anne as well. Um, they're two of my favourites of the Bronte, because I never really liked Wuthering Heights. But even saying that, I I really liked it. So I thought, I, as a work of imagination, if you love the Brontes, the work of imagination is not a problem. So I, I liked it as a work of imagination and the work of, a speculative fiction and that I don't think these events that happened but they um, they still made an interesting watch and it's to give you a sort of little insight into into these and if it okay. gets someone to read the books then do that
1: cool good stuff So that is Emily, uh, four stars for Emily. Now we go back to Disney Plus and Friends. Oh, no, not Disney Plus. Netflix and Friends. This is on Disney Plus. And we're talking about She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. And there has been this whole thing. I mean, there is an arms race going on at the moment. Where has anybody... I know actually, Sharon, I know you have Paramount+. Plus. And Paramount Plus have essentially gone, let's look at all of the intellectual property that we have ownership of, and let's remake it. Let's make a new American gigolo. Let's do this kind of stuff. And Disney Plus have decided, what do we own? We have Pixar, we have Marvel, we have Star Wars. And so they've decided that they're just going to flood our TV screens with a whole bunch of TV shows based on a whole bunch of things that they that they own the rights to, with varying results. Now, She-Hulk, as the as the title, Midas, well, the, to give the show its full title, She Hulk Attorney at Law, um, is about um, a lady called Jennifer Walters who happens to be Bruce Banner's cousin. So she's Bruce Banner's cousin, and through various things, she ends up getting infected by Bruce Banner's blood, which means that she ends up having the same problem that he has, which is if she gets angry, she turns into a big, green, raging monster. And you meet Jen Walters at the beginning. She is quite. Um, she's one of these four, fourth wall breaking characters. So she sort of like gets there and looks at the camera. And she tells you. She tells you what's going on. You go back into. You, you see how she got her powers. You see what happens with that. And there is a whole thing about it where. Bruce Banner takes her down to Mexico to teach her how to use his, to teach her how to use the powers, and his and he has this whole binder of t- fifteen years of being the Hulk, saying this is what you have to do, and that's what you have to do, and you can't control it because whenever you get angry, it just comes out. And she she has a bit where. She ends up being a better Hulk than he is because she can control it a lot better. And he's like, why? She's like, well, you just said like, you know, anger and rage. That's the base level for women. I have to deal with my, I have to control my anger and my rage every single day. And and that happens in the first episode. And it kind of tells you where they're going with this show. So the fact is, she doesn't want to become a superhero. She, the last thing she wants is to be a superhero. She wants to just carry on with her life as a lawyer. But... The superhero thing keeps getting in the way of it because in today's day and age something happens in a courtroom she turns into she-hulk she becomes this internet star and then her, her she's working as a da or as a district attorney and she gets fired from that because they're like we, we can't have you as a superhero because every time you go up for a case they're going to claim that it's unfair because people are going to want to want the superhero to win so she ends up getting she has no job but gets hired by a law firm that doesn't want her as jen walters all they want her is She Hulk. So they want her to be a, as a lawyer but as a superhero at work because they say they're, starting, they're st- setting up a superhero law division. And in this superhero law division, they want to do things like um, ha- if, if there's any collateral damage from a superhero's um, events, they're going to represent them, that kind of stuff. And it becomes this sort of law comedy. It becomes a law comedy that is not in any way, shape, or form interested in villain of the week isn't interested in let's go have a big punch up it's not interested in any of that whatsoever it is a lore comedy that makes fun of a lot of the stuff in the mcu and it is uh, and i really like this i really really like this i thought it was really good i thought it was quite fun i think it is uh, and and uh, we, we've seen more and more of this happening there have been some films like there's some films that came out that I, that i remember reviewing them and saying This film isn't really about what's happening in the film. This film is about Marvel. This film is about Marvel and what they're doing. Like, Spider-Man No Way Home was really about Marvel and the wranglings about Spider-Man and who owns Spider-Man for the last... And Marvel have got to the point where they have started making shows about themselves. And this is no more no more clear than in the finale of this show. Like, if you go online, you you see people talking about the finales of this show being one of some of the most meta things ever. And it is. It is great. It is brilliant. And has a lot more in common with suffragettes than you might think. (laughs) (laughs) Because it it, it becomes this commentary on a woman's place in modern-day America. And how? Because... I think it's, it's fair to say, you know when you have most superheroes, they're worried about, oh, have this nemesis and have to defeat them. She-Hulk is more concerned about finding a date and how she's going to find a date than she is about saving the world. <laughs> and They have all these cameos from different Marvel characters. Benedict Wong shows up as Wong. Tim Roth shows up as the Abomination from the Incredible Hulk all the way back, like, oh, wow. God knows how many yeah, no. Tim Roth yeah. shows up as the... And you have all these different characters that have been in different Marvel things that show up at it. And I think the way they pull it in, it's fun. And it has become this little corner where Marvel can do crazy stuff and they can try things out that maybe you, you will never see on the big screen because if there's too much risk involved. But on in She-Hulk, they can go crazy. They can go out there. They can do things. And they do go crazy. And they do bring you the dumber... The dumber side of Marvel, the dumber superheroes, the dumber characters, I really liked it. And I would give it a I'll give it a four out of five. I think uh, it is. Ooh, I, I think ooh. I, th- I think it might be a bit Marmite. I think it might be a bit. More, I think there's some people who are watching and will hate it. And there is a certain <laughs> section of the Internet that anytime Marvel does anything that dares to put a woman in a front and center position. They kick off they kick off and they say, oh, for goodness sake. And the, 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 this, this show is so meta that this show, a big part of this show is like they anticipated it. And that is in the show. People talking about a female superhero and saying that she must be rubbish. She doesn't deserve her powers because she she's, why why do we need a female Hulk? All that kind of, It's in the show. And I think that the way it does it and the way it addresses it is just brilliant. But So yeah, four stars for She-Hulk. I, I would oh. recommend watching it. I would recommend watching it. And now... You may, you may have been noticing that I've been trying to stall because I really don't want to talk about this. But Sean, we come back to cinema, we come back to you, and you tell us about Halloween Ends. We do. And <laughs> Halloween the, Ends, eh? Hey? One, okay. one of the reasons I don't want to talk about it is because that title is a lie. We all know <laughs> it's a lie. It's it's an absolute lie. <laughs> But okay. Tell, well, tell, us, tell us about this lie of a film. I
0: will. I, will, I will tell you about this film, okay? Because the first, as you know, my my feelings on the the previous one to this was uh, just yeah, awful. Halloween, it was just Halloween awful. Kills,
1: wasn't it? Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Halloween Kills. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Okay. So so in this this starts off with like the sort of prologue thing is there's this this sort of should we say um, uh, lad who is he's babysitting he's babysitting and. um uh, so, so, something happens with, with the with the child he's babysitting, and he becomes a bit of a pariah because uh, you know something nasty happens. So yeah, um, and he sort of get, but he, because he he gets a bit bullied, he gets a bit bullied because people say, oh yeah, you know it was your fault, your fault. Um, they sort of uh, should we say um, yeah. Uh, so, so, anyway, he gets bullied, but some people feel sorry for him. So, uh, the, they sort of protect him. What What's, what's, oh, do you know, I've forgotten her name? Who's the, who's the, who's yeah oh, Jamie Tony Lee
1: Curtis. Curtis.
0: Jamie Lee Curtis feels sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah, <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. That's it. I've totally forgotten. That's terrible, isn't it? Yeah,
1: oh, um, I was like, <laughs> yeah Jamie it's Lee. It's a Halloween Curtis. movie. Who else are we talking about?
0: Yeah. So, she feels a bit sorry for him because she knows about victimization and she sort of rescues him for a little bit. And he's like, why are you rescued me? And then, he has a bit of a relationship with with uh the granddaughter and yeah. uh then one day he's on his own and he gets bullied and he falls he falls down and he falls into this this place and he starts to become a bit a bit strange and um obviously you know there's there's like you say, it's quite funny i don't know how to do this
1: without putting too many spoilers in no, you, you no, sort no, of okay look look sean it, it's a halloween movie okay mike myers yeah. is going to come find some convoluted yeah, yeah, yeah. reason so, so, to
0: come back so, so yeah so so anyway so he falls under this bridge thing you know there's something going on because because you get the lead up at the start about something at this bridge anyway he, he gets sort of chucked over a bridge and he ends up going through this sewer thing where obviously he he um it's like a transference of power, should we say? It's like a transference yeah. of power. Yeah. So, so like you're saying about Halloween. Then.
2: Is he like possessed then?
0: Yeah, no, but, not re- yeah. well, well, not really. He just like he's like Michael because he he becomes a bit angry. He says, hey, "Michael, show me how to do it." Because obviously, this oh, whole see. town in Handel, show me, show me how to do it. Show me, show me what you do and all that. And uh, so yeah. yeah, so it's like it's like the passing of the torch, shall we say? And then.
1: And, and then oh. a whole bunch of people get stabbed oh. and killed. That's, that's
0: it. It's quite long. It's quite long. It's a real long lead up to it. And it's like, come on, come on. Sorry. Something can happen, something can happen. We know what's going to happen. However, having said all that, having said all
1: that, OK,
0: there are some real nods to the original. There's some real nods and they're almost okay. shot for shot scenes. There's a there's one I remember and I thought, wow, there's a bit on the stairs where he's looking through the, the stairs of the barrier. So and it's just like the heads through there and, and there's quite a few and there's nods to Psycho in there. There's like so should we say shower. Okay. So yeah, I mean so it has got a few redeeming qualities. Not a lot, not a lot,
1: but <laughs> but it has but
0: it has got a few that um but uh yeah, so and and as you know it's Halloween and it ends up with like, you know, the uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: <laughs> very, very... Sorry, 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 Sean, I'm really sorry. I'm really no, sorry. no, 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 I'm glad I glad
0: about that because, I mean, you can say it. No, because, I mean, I'm just running out to sum it all up. But, yeah, no, this... No, this is,
1: this is, I'm really sorry. I just have zero enthusiasm yeah. for this, oh, especially right. because the title is such a lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's such but a lie. It is quite
0: interesting when the whole town turns out at the end to, shall we say, witness something, which is like, uh, yeah, maybe... Maybe that ends,
1: but it hasn't ended. I'll tell you, I, I hate it right. I hate it when you have <laughs> when you have TV shows that don't end because they think oh we can still get some money out of this they usually yeah, purely
0: purely money and
1: and I feel like there's some things that they just need to stop they need to stop making Friday the 13th movies they need to stop making Halloween movies because there is nothing that you are bringing that is new that is and 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 I will never find out if they actually do, do 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 something that's new I know that I know Jamie Lee Curtis has said this is the final time she's playing Laurie Strode but mm. we've heard that before we've
0: heard that before yeah <laughs> it's all be- to do with this isn't it you know what I mean it's, it's, it's all this, to
1: do with money and, yeah. and I mean and that this is a character that has been killed multiple times both of them Mike Myers and Laurie Strode have been killed multiple times Uh you're yeah, still getting Halloween movies and uh, uh, <laughs> anyway sorry Sean how many stars okay uh, but, um
0: I don't want to be too mean to this one because, oh, as I said did, did have it. A, did have a few redeeming <laughs> qualities, but I did find it quite boring, and I was waiting for something to happen, and there wasn't really anything new, so it's going to get a two star, I think.
1: Two stars. Two, star, two yeah, stars. Yeah. Because I just Halloween I then. just
0: found it really really long, found it too long before Would anything I watching it.
1: I agree with you, Sean. I, <laughs> 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 I mean, what's they said they were making this film all? Uh, they're, they're like some films it was that was two that, star. <laughs> exactly. The films that once they announced them, I'm like two stars. It's like it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's like when they said when they when they said they made Coming to America, the sequel to uh-huh. Coming to America. The second they announced they were making it, the second they had that title, I was just kind of like, no, mm-hmm. one star. It's going to be rubbish. It's going to be no, no. Even the idea you're making this film. The only way you could have made this film good was if you made it Coming to Zamunda. That would have been worth it. Apart from that. No, rubbish, get out of my face. But anyway, that uh, I'm going okay. to try and like, control my rage. I'm going to take a, a leaf from Jennifer Walters and control my rage and dampen it down and, and prevent myself becoming a big, big green rage monster. <laughs> and we get to a final thing. And Sean, I have remembered what it is that I saw. And it is something that I think you would like. So we could either talk about the thing you saw, the war, what was it? the war,
0: war, war below, the war below. The war
1: below. We can talk about the world below or we can talk about the bear on Disney+. The Plus. bear.
0: I mean, I'm quite, let's, let's let Sharon choose. I know that's a bit difficult. So the war below or the bear, up to you.
2: Oh, I was going to watch the war below. So... Oh but i'm interested about What's, what the bear is about as well yes so, all right let's go i with know the bear. what good, the war good, below cool. is about so let's go with the bear then yeah yeah
0: yeah good shout good shout i was honest i was going to say that exactly the same
1: so that would be oh, good to, few of us right. to see something okay yeah. cool good stuff so okay the war below doesn't have anything to do with, with with water warfare by any chance see no, world is. war no, one isn't it it's world war oh, okay, one okay oh yeah. cool all right okay now so the bear the bear is an is is was is, is it is is eight part you know is this either Yes, eight parts. An eight-part series on Disney+. Eight parts, each episode is like half an hour long. And this is the kind of thing that, Sean, I think you would love. It's set in <laughs> Chicago, and it's all about these characters. And it's the the the, the, the idea behind it is that there's this character, Carmi, that you meet. And he used to be a chef in the best restaurant in the world in New York City. His brother died and left him this sandwich restaurant, the family sandwich restaurant in um, Chicago. And he goes in there and he's trying to sort of like set up this whole thing and get this restaurant to actually work quite well. And when you go in there, you find that he goes in there and he's butting up against all the people who worked for his brother for years. And I've done stuff the same way over and over again. And their cousin is the person who's like the front of the house and doesn't want anything to change. And he's kind of like, no, what are you trying to do? That's too fancy. Go and do it this way. <laughs> and, and, so, and you have these cast of characters that just bounce off each other in this kitchen. And it's about them trying to turn this thing around. It's about them making food. There's a little bit of like Master Chef with swearing kind of like thing kind of going on. And it just becomes this wonderful slice of life thing, looking at this group of people trying to achieve something. And I think the reason why I think you like it, Sean, is just because of the mood of it. The characters, the dialogue is really, really good, mm-hmm. and it's the fact that even though it's something about like you might not have any, you might not care about cooking food or making food or anything, but it's about these guys in this heightened situation because he's trying to, as he's trying, as he's trying to save this restaurant and he's trying to turn this restaurant around. He's trying to come to the come to terms with why his brother killed himself. He's trying to come to terms with like his family. He's trying to come to terms with some things that happened with in his past when he was being a chef in New York. And they have this new chef who comes in Sydney, and he's trying to sort of like bring her up because she has a really good vision for what the what the thing can be. And then you have this guy who does the who does the bakery. He does the bakery, and he just gets absolutely obsessed with making the perfect donuts. And he's <laughs> like, you have a guy who gets obsessed with making the perfect donut, and you have the the the. And at the same time, the guy who's at the front of the house, Richie, he's looking around and he's just he's seen like the pub that was on the corner that like the irish pub that was on the corner in chicago is closing down is going to be replaced with something and he's just despairing about the fact that the life that he knew in the chicago he knew was dying around him and you f- they find out that they owed that his brother owed money to his uncle who's played by oliver platt and i don't know about you but oliver platt is the kind of person who whenever he shows up on screen i'm like i like watching this guy i will watch <laughs> oliver platt or whatever and he, he shows up in it and then there's there's a funny sequence where they have a kids the catering for a kids birthday party and they end up they end up drugging a whole bunch of five year olds. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, but it, and the thing is, like each episode obviously is only about half an hour long, so or even shorter because I think it originally showed in America with with ads. It has one episode that is all shot in one shot around this kitchen, and it and it is just really really you know. You know when you finish watching it and you go, What was that about? Well, a guy tries to save a restaurant. Yeah, it was a bit slight, but I actually really, really enjoyed it because of the different characters, the way they spoke to each other, the way they bounced off each other, and the way that you sort of end you end up being drawn into this world of be working in a professional kitchen where they say things like, you know, and they they don't explain things, but like they're walking around the kitchen and the things like they say things like, hands! corner behind and you can just see the way they all work together trying to get food done for a certain amount of time how stressful it is all that i thought it was a really really good show and all in all i would give it a four out of five and i think you would actually quite like it oh, it's okay. a kind of yeah. it's a kind of show that it, it's difficult to explain what's good about it and because when you talk about it it sounds very very slight guy tries to save, save a restaurant yeah it's, it's
0: yeah it's funny that's the trouble, though, Toads, isn't it? There's so much to watch, mate. There's so much there to is. watch. But, there is. You know, so, so yeah, maybe we'll get round to that. But it sounds yeah. sounds interesting.
1: Yeah, I think I think if you... Because the, I know that there's so much to watch. So if you want to save yourself some rubbish, I actually think that the bear is something that would be right up your alley. Definitely you, Sean. Mm-hmm. Sharon, I think maybe. Maybe, although there might be a couple of bits where you might, you know, clutch My, your balls. You
2: know, Winsor-o-meter <laughs> might sort of kick in.
1: <laughs> yeah especially with a especially with a Richie character but it is uh, i mean if nothing else just watch the first episode because there's a bit where they end up with a they end up with a queue outside the restaurant and a fracas shall we say breaks out in the queue and the way they deal with the fracas in the queue <laughs> i think it's very it's, I, I i thought I, I found it extremely i thought I found it quite funny so i mm-hmm. think it's one of those things that way probably a comedy drama it's coming a comedy drama, but I think it's quite good, and I love the fact that it doesn't hang around for so long. There's probably going to be a season two, but this this isn't. I, I haven't gone to the stage yet where I'm like, oh, why why should they oh, yeah, well, I watch that? Yeah, I might not watch the second one. I might not watch the second one, but the first one was good. It's like oh, I was thinking about this. You know the, you know talking about stuff that should have ended that should have ended early. Mm. I was thinking about the TV show Heroes. Did any of you watch the TV show Heroes? I I, I think I yes. caught a couple of episodes, a couple of episodes, but I watched was... the
0: first
2: two seasons and then mm-hmm. I gave up after about the third episode of the third season. Because as you say, it like yeah. it was flogging a dead horse.
0: Is that the it one was... where there's like one of the one of the heroes trying to kill the other heroes to get their power or something like yep. that? Yes. Or that? Yeah. Skylar. Yeah. So I, yeah. I
1: watched Skyler. That's it. Yeah. I watched a couple. Save
2: the soup. Save the cheerleader. Save, save the, world. the
1: cheerleader. Save the world. Yeah. And, and Heroes I remember the first season was so good and yeah. you could almost see where they thought oh this is so good and they um, for me one of the biggest problems was they had a good bad guy and then they went oh we can't get rid of him because you can see the point you can see the point where they almost did a reshoot where that was the point where that guy would have died and then they came up with some weird nonsense to say oh no he isn't and they came back in season 2 he's still around and that one decision destroyed the whole show <laughs> yeah as far as i'm concerned but anyway um my point is the bear is not heroes (laughs) it hasn't it hasn't done that it has not done that anyway that is it so with all that today i i i think you guys have a very difficult decision trying to figure out who won this week
0: (laughs) i think i think we pretty much know don't we i think it was a walk over this time like uh if if the conservatives go for a general election it would probably be, probably be the same so, so we can look at cinema as the tories and the if it was an opinion poll cinema oh. would be the tories
1: and... oh oh that is <laughs> uh, only for this week because i like cinema only for this week i know <laughs> i like
0: cinema cinema's had a bad we've had yeah. a bad time this week so but i mean i'm sure we'll get better
1: it's
0: like yeah yeah it's true it's true we got like I don't know what Black Adam. I don't know if I'm going to enjoy that or not. But that's that's out, isn't it? Uh, Adam, yeah, yeah.
1: Black Black Adam. I'm expecting Black Adam to be solid and by the numbers, and yeah. uh, and to be a to be a middle of the road three star film. That's what I'm expecting from yeah. that film. To be. Yeah, yeah. See, I like The
2: Rock, but do I like The Rock enough to want to go to see a superhero film? That's no, my question. That's my, my debate. Yeah, yeah. my I can inner it.
1: debate. Yeah, we'll yeah. see, and we'll, we'll see if I actually make it to a cinema. <laughs> right, that'd be cool right so that'd so nice it's going to be a bit hit and miss whether I get to do next
0: week and the next couple of weeks because I'm off to Thailand on Tuesday oh yes
1: yeah, yes so I work. will
0: try I will try but if I can't I can't I'll, I'll keep in touch and yeah. don't you worry Sean you know I'll our do.
1: policy when Sean's in Thailand we'll take whatever Sean we can get yeah. <laughs> but we will not expect we will not expect or put that on him to be up at 2 o'clock in the morning to talk to us <laughs> and <laughs> I'll right, just go. have to
2: bite the bullet and Watch
1: stuff. Yes, <laughs> and, I, and I will actually have to get to the cinema. Uh, but uh, until next week, then it's a goodbye from me. It's a
0: goodbye from me. And a
2: goodbye for
0: me. How
1: do you say goodbye in Thai?
0: Uh, they basically got the same. Like it's just the same. Like car cap, sorry cap, cap, cap cap, cap, Yeah, cap, cap. So same thing. Yeah. <laughs>
1: All, right, All right. Cool. Good. Until next week. Yes, and we will get—we will get. Like I'm sure we'll get Facebook updates on exactly what Sean's up to.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> See you guys. See you later.
0: Bye. Bye. Bye.